tell you what I'm excited about. What are you excited about? Top of the Pops 1990. It's, <laughs> it's here, it's big, it's bold. It makes me feel like I'm going out, even though I'm sat in my pajamas in the living room what, as per. Watching Adamski. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know why that sudden shift from the 80s, like it's such a, it's a random thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like time is, is, is a thing that we've created. We've had discussions about this before, so let's not go into this because my mind gets blown. But like, we've just decided, isn't it, that one day you're in 1989 and the next day you're in 1990, We right? haven't decided. No, but... but you know what I mean? But And yet there seems to be this huge movement from the mo- um, from the movies, from the music we were listening to in Top of the Pops 1989 to 1990. Like, it, it's just so good. There's something about it. There's just that, that shift. I don't know whether it's because I was like 10 in 1990, so I was really starting to get to know music and what I liked and what I didn't like. Yeah. Well, I think there's three... There's three sort of strands of music in the early 90s that we've seen so far. That's kind of, we've got dance music coming through. We've got, like, boy bands coming through. So New Kids on the Block have just had their second number one hit. Number one. With Hanging Tough. Are you tough enough? Uh, And then you have got rock music in The Choir Boys and Megadeth. Megadeth. But it's not real rock, is it? No. Like, when Megadeth came on this week, they were number 14. And I just thought, oh, this is going to be really heavy. But actually, it was the softest rock I'd ever heard. And then in the background, you've got kind of like like the baggy movement coming mm, through. Man- Manchester. Manchester. We've, like, at the back end of the 80s, we had... Um, did we have the Stone Roses? Yeah, we did. And we had uh, Happy Mondays I was on... about to say Black Grape, but I've moved forward a bit. So, yeah, Happy Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> um, electronic are in yes. the charts in 1990 as well. We're getting away with it, one of my favourites. So yeah, it it just feels fresh and new. I didn't remember that there was that much dance music in the early 90s, but clearly I was not involved in the rave scene when I was 10. But I can imagine that if you were in that in in that at that age bracket that it would have been really important to you the the rave music that was coming out at the time. I had I bought by mistake now dance 902 <laughs> which was like the 1990 volume two of the Now That's How I Come Music dance thing. I think track one was Dirty Cash by The Adventure of Stevie oh, V. Nice, yeah. Chad Jackson, Hear the Drummer Get Wicked was on there. Nice. Uh, yeah, so yeah. look it, forward to that. Pass me by a little bit, but you you definitely, when we're watching it, you know that you like a couple of seconds of the song, you'll go, oh yeah, that's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, doesn't really hey, ring a bell. And MC Tunes. <laughs> It all mashes into one for me. We're only about a couple of months away from New Order coming through. Your favourite your so favorite song of all time, so famously. Exci- so excited for that. Like when I saw Electronic, I was like, oh, we're getting there. We're actually getting there. And you, in a reference to something we're going to talk about in a minute, when we actually get to talking about telly, you were telling me that there's a song about to come up is in the next few years, which will go through pretty quickly on the telly, which is Quentin and Ash doing yes. their song because they were there. Caroline Quentin and Leslie Ash from Men Behaving Badly because Men Behaving Badly was out and they decided to do a little, yeah, a little na- tune. 96. I think I don't think they decided. I think someone came to their house with a bag full of money and oh. said, do you fancy... Well, I think the, the story at the time was they brought a big bag full of money to Neil Morrissey and Martin Clunes who said, no... 
And then they went to Leslie Ash and Caroline Quentin who said, yeah, go on then. Maybe I've got the wrong end of the stick because I thought it was like earlier in the 90s if you're saying it's 96. No, I said it was three years away. So obviously, because they do two two a week. Now I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, back to back on a Friday night, we recorded them because one comes out on a Thursday, doesn't it? No. Oh, no? No, no, no. They used to, but now it's just first thing, Friday night, seven o'clock, BBC Four opens and two episodes back to back. Because it used to be Thursday night and Friday night and we'd yeah. record them and watch them both on a Friday, but now they're just there. Brilliant. Friday night, if you want to laugh, if you sat in by yourself like we are and you just want a bit of some 90s action and a bit of dancing in your pyjamas, then get Top of the Pops on because it's so, it's so funny. It's when you see Sonia just <laughs> popping up randomly, Betty Boo's being on, just really random. I mean, Sinead O'Connor was 30 in last week's chart and then you jump forward this week and she's number three and you can see like that old school where something went in really low because no one really knew about it you couldn't just stream it when invented the the internet as we know it by then and you know in it's word of mouth and it's on top of the pops one week and then the next week it jumps up so i think that happens more now um than it did sort of in the 90s in 90s it was everything went in at number one and yeah, there was very rarely a song that rose through the charts, but now because things just drop uh, and it is through word of mouth that things will rise up the charts again, but we just have no ref, no, re- the no, charts I, play I no don't relevance know what to me. The charts are like, I wouldn't even know where to go looking for it. We, well, I mean, yeah, the internet, the official <laughs> know, charts company. Oh, I suppose so, yeah. Radio One on a Friday, <laughs> yeah, they do it Friday night now, is it, Greg? Won't be Greg James who does a breakfast show. Oh, God, don't tell me. Scott Mills. Scott Mills, but that might be like from six years ago or something (laughs) like that. But yeah, it would be meaningless anyway for me because if I looked at the top ten, I wouldn't know anyone in it. Unless it was like Adele or someone like that. I think think we'd not all of them. Yeah, not all of them though. Some of them just look at and, like, you know, you feel really old because you can look at it and. And just go, no, never heard That's of them. It's not proper music. It's not proper music. Music no. attained perfection in 1997 has exactly. been going downhill ever since. Exactly. Mm. Right, before we sound even older, should we get onto telly? Yes, let's do that. Watching television, watching television. So, going back to Caroline Quentin, I want to talk about Strictly Come Dancing. Back for 2020, Caroline Quentin is one of the participants. Are you as excited as the rest of the internet is? The internet said on Saturday night that Strictly Come Dancing had saved the the UK, essentially, and saved 2020, because if we didn't have Strictly Come Dancing, then that would be the end of it. But now it's here, it's a bit of normality, people are saying, and it's something, it's an entertainment show for the whole family, and you can get behind every week. No. <laughs> Like I'm glad it's back. I will. I I wasn't. I enjoy Strictly when it's on, but I and I enjoy like just me and Adam and Neil have a little WhatsApp group where we make comments about things on there, and that's quite fun. Hmm. But um, I'm less excited about this than I have been. I'm, I was more excited about Bake Off coming back than I was oh, Strictly. Right. Okay. I don't think the selections this year have been particularly exciting. Um, understandably, because mm. m- people might be reluctant to do it. Um, because they had to, they had to. Well, the pros had to form a household, so they went to a country hotel, which looked beautiful. Everyone's formed a household, a bubble from, in a hotel. Is it so? All the 
professionals as well have the been. professionals Sorry. and contestants the professionals are in a and hotel. the celebrities right okay same as did with the cricket right because I don't think they made that clear to me I knew that the professionals had gone to the hotel for four weeks to rehearse all their group dances which they then recorded mm. but then they said that they were living when they showed the celebrities and the professionals they said that they were living apart from their partner so Jeanette Monrara for example was saying that she was living apart from her husband Aliash Yes, because so, they're in a bubble with their partner on the show. Oh, okay. But they're not living, like, together. Well, I mean, they will be isolated right. to cut down cross-contamination. Okay. Yeah, they they were at pains to make the point that they were following every type of guidance known to mankind. Richard Osman tweeted at the time, they may just have a banner at the bottom of the screen saying, we're doing everything we can to avoid COVID yes. and just save 10 minutes of screen time. Yes, because it was it was so... And I can understand why, because they're being respectful. Of, you know, a, a lot of people have died. Mm. This, is, this is not a fun thing. But it did feel a little bit... It got a little bit W1A when they just, every two seconds, were, were saying, and we're staying two metres apart, and we won't be doing this, and we're following all the... Ga-. Just, yeah, put a banner at the bottom and say, we've done everything that we can you know, within reason, to follow the government guidelines and to keep everyone safe. You don't keep, you know, the more they said it, the more it just became a bit too much. But anyway, yes, so you feel that the selection's not particularly as good as it has been other years because people have to leave their families. I, yeah, I neither know nor care what a hurry is. <laughs> but um, I didn't particularly warm to him on the... He seemed all right. He's young. Yeah. He's sparky. Yeah. He's, he's not our usual thing that we would want to watch no I'd, I'd, I'd never heard of him just going back to top of the pops like if he's not a new kid you know if he's not joey <laughs> mcintyre i haven't heard of him what was the last boy band where you reckon you could name members of oh now like more than like more than half the members of so i can do the whole of take that i should hope so too i can do Boyzone at a push i can't do westlife oh you could oh no i can't i could do westlife Oh, no, you're saying it. I'm thinking I've got Keen Egan's just coming to my head. Yeah. And Shane. And yeah, so maybe I can. No, Shane was in. Boy oh, Band. Shane and Pico. Yeah. They are. I mean, it's tough. You've got Brian McFadden, Keen Egan, Mark Flaherty. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's half of them. And the Nikki, the, who married. Nikki Byrne. He married the, um, the Irish Prime Minister's daughter. Yes. Yeah. And one more. Uh, the one who lost all his money and therefore had to... Oh, in the property. See, I thought he was called Shane, but maybe he's not. Shane Phelan? It might be. It could be. Anyway, yes. that's not really relevant. But, you know, it's probably been ten years, hasn't it? I couldn't name three people from The Wanted. Well, yes. I can name the guy that's on Strictly Come Dancing Max from The Wanted. George. And Jay from The Wanted, who won it. Yeah, so that's kind of it. But no, they. I didn't... I only know one... The Wanted song. How do you get up from an all-time low? Uh, you'll know another one. Will I? When you hear it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure when I thought about it, there was Do you think a, they'll play it more. quite a lot? Yeah. I suppose they have to. Yeah. But yeah, don't know Harvey. Don't really know Max George from The Wanted. A bit past my time. Don't know the girl from EastEnders. Yeah, well, I know her, I knew her when she, was, um, when she was a kid. And now she's all grown up. And it was a bit scary. All right, side baron. Yeah, I, I know. But like, it was a bit like, blum and hell. Um, 
yes, she she's very stage school. She like I said, wow, she's a really good mover, and you yeah. shouted stage school at the telly. Did I? Yes, you did, and possibly a bit at me to remind me that yes, she's she's on EastEnders for a reason. Jackie Smith's out first, isn't she? Well, you just I just I don't think you know with with this. Typically. Older women don't necessarily do very well unless you're someone like Anne Widdecombe and you're playing it for laughs and people are keeping you in for the comedy value. I think we just have to have to say, I, I can never tell with Strictly and often people who I think are doing really, really well, like say Dev from Radio 1, was he in last year or the year before? I can't remember, but he was recently in and he was brilliant and then out he, out he went, you know. Um, so, yeah. It... I'm not massively invested in it, but because there's not really that much else on, like we've really struggled to do a main show, inverted commas, for the last week because we've not had anything really to report and we didn't want to just come on and record and sort of like half the stuff I've been watching, no one cares about because it's just old random things and to be honest, quite a lot of true crime. But at least Strictly is back now. I said to you, it's back. It's something that we can watch together and talk about. You can have your laptop open and playing your quizzes and stuff. That's an insight into your life, isn't look in, it? Look at look at the spoilers on Sunday <laughs> yeah, morning. Yeah. But, and you, then you pretend know. that I've got some insight on there. Well, I reckon. Oh, it might be down to. I did that about five See, times last year, and you never didn't have a clue. I don't know why you do that. I don't know what the joy of knowing who's gone out Be- is. Because I don't care enough about Strictly. No, well, I don't care enough about it, but why spoil, you know, your Sunday night results show? Why why, why do it? Yeah. Uh, why take away the one bit that's like, oh, I don't no, know what's going to happen there? I don't know why I find it acceptable to do this, and not mm. because I'd be totally, no, no spoilers for most things. I think I just have, I think there is a, like, a, a Goldilocks period where I care enough to want to know who's out but I don't care enough to be not spoiled about it and I think it's a quite a thin Goldilocks you know what I mean by Goldilocks so not really I'm nodding but so in planets like Earth in the Goldilocks zone because it's not too hot not too cold okay right. so I think I oh, like I get it right yeah. so I like I like Strictly enough that I care about it mm-hmm. but I don't care enough that I want to like be surprised at what happened fair enough that doesn't quite explain why I go out my way to look up a spoiler, but yeah, I've I can't really explain it. To get one up on me, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe I like the power in the relationship. So, who's your favourite contestant from this year's selection? Who are you? Not you don't necessarily have to be rooting for them, but who who are you enjoying on the screen? Amy. That's not contestant. I don't care. That's all I care about. <laughs> that's your favourite professional. Amy and the redhead one. Diane. Diane. Yeah. I know you love Amy. We we do love I mean, Amy's. Just such a lovely, lovely girl, and I think you you're quite quite taken with it. And also the fact that she did like a "Here Come the Girls" show or something with with Diane, with Diane, and, and your Chloe, other favourite Chloe, who left because she never got picked to the professional <laughs> I dancer. Know, that's so sad. And actually, there's um there's professional dancers. There's a professional dancer she called Nancy. Justice for Neil. Justice for Nancy. <laughs> She looks amazing. Like she's been, she was in it last year as well. Yeah. And she, she, her movement. Like obviously, all of them are brilliant. They're all professionals. But give her a contestant for heaven's sake. We'll give her one on Christmas. Oh, probably. Yeah. Well, I hope so. And then at least you know, like Neil, 
but I mean they've given it to Neil and they've taken it away haven't they which is just yeah. it's a bit I find that a bit sad when they you give you a taste and then no no you're not getting another one this year so who's Amy and Diane with so Amy is with the guy that was in the Royal Marines that mates with Prince Harry whose name I don't know which yeah. is really bad um, but he he's a sports presenter yes. and he does the Invictus Games yeah so she's with him Diane was Diane with Hervey no, no, Diane's not with Hervey. Jeanette's with Hervey. <laughs> Who's Diane? I like how you took Diane on Diane always, like, because she's littler. The littler dancers tend to get put with the men that aren't tall. Um, but I can't think who that would be. Otis with Bill Bailey, which I think is brilliant because she is laughing her head off with him. She's, like, yes. having a really good time. And I think she needs a bit of relaxation after what... Kelvin from Emmerdale put her through last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, really? Was well, he? No, no, I mean, like, he was so good, wasn't he? Oh, and right, okay. You have to keep up the pace and you've got to, like, every week it was just something new and something, but, you know. Downs with Max from The Wanted. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I think my favourite, looking at it, mm. is um, Jason Bell was on Fighting Talk yesterday. Yeah, um, and he seems like a nice guy. He, he seems does. open to a bit of fun, and he seems to be a real fan of Strictly as well, which I didn't anticipate. <laughs> I don't know why, but like he knows all the names of everyone, and he's really like really into it. And he was saying something like he's so used to wearing a tight shirt for his sport, so that no one can grab hold of yes. you. That actually, you know, he's quite used mm. to being in the tight fitting clothes. And Lovely. he looks, and he looks like an um, Easter Island statue. So that's. Yeah, he's got a big, long jaw face. Jolly uh, face. I'd not really thought about that. Mm. Yeah, he's very tall. Yes. Anything to add to that? <laughs> no, no, that's all I really know about him. Oh. I don't really... I, the only thing I know about him, the, my only other thing that I know, is that he went out with Nadine from Girls Aloud for quite a while, and I think they might have a child together. Okay. So that's the only thing I know about him, really. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll see, see what happens. I'll look up the result. And yeah. pretend to have some insight going in, like, oh, I think it might be these two in the final. Please don't. I do that. I've done that before. I know, I know, but now I'm sort of a bit more alive to it. <laughs> I don't really want. I don't want to be spoiled. Like, I go out of my way not to look. Good. So yeah, don't think go, don't go spoiling for me. It's the only thing we've got now to take us up to Christmas. That and um, that on top of the pops and Bake Off. And Bake Off, yeah. Mm. What a trio. <sighs> Can I talk about the boys? You can. I mean, you can you can clap at the same time if you want, love. And wreck our <laughs> levels. <laughs> can I talk about the boys? So, hang on a minute. We talked about the boys a few episodes ago, didn't you? Because it had come back for season two and you went through what you liked about season one and you told me about like the premise of the show. Yes. Have you now finished The season, season has two? finished. Ah, right, okay. Have, and have you finished it? I've finished it. Right. Yes. And on its way, this I think this has become the flagship show for Amazon Prime. It's certainly been touted as one of the most successful Amazon Prime original shows. And this was a really, really good season. Do you know what The Boys is about? Do you remember what The Boys is about? Yeah, I do. I do remember our conversation from a few episodes ago. Well, you never know with you. you might, sometimes you don't listen. <laughs> no, I do. I, do, I yeah. do remember. So you've got seven... Um, superheroes who are employed by an organisation to rid the world of terrorists. And they manipulate the press and the media. So they ha- 
the main point of season one, listen away now if you're not interested, is that it was found out that they were handing out serum that was creating super terror terrorists so that they had someone to vanquish and stay in the limelight. And this carries on uh, through season season two. The boys are a group of rebels led by led by Carl Urban, who are trying to stop the Seven. Um, based on they work with the government at points, they work by themselves. They all have their own motivations around this, but they are non superheroes. And as part of season one, they were probably the worst thing about it. Um, although they are the people who <laughs> we're supposed to be rooting for, they're far less interesting than people with superheroes being dicks. And I think they partially succeeded in redeeming them this season. They gave them a lot more to do. They gave them a little backstory. And at first I was like, why are they trying to do it? Why don't they just get rid of them and cut it down to just Cal Urban, who's a brilliant character as the Butcher. Absolutely foul-mouthed. They really, really succeed more through persistence than skill in actually making me root for these people. What I want to say is, this is one of the best produced TV shows I've ever seen. Each episode, maybe twice, sometimes three times, there is a sequence or a special effect or just a set piece that makes my jaw drop to the floor and would make my jaw drop to the floor in a Hollywood film. This is so well done. So much money put on the screen on this. Anthony Starr, who plays Homelander, continues to be the best thing in it uh, as a um, sociopathic um, Superman. Uh, Jack Quid as Huey continues to be sort of the emotional lead of this. Um, Erin Moriarty as Starlight really, really shines still as um, as Annie. Queen Maeve gets a decent storyline in this. Uh, A-Train and The Deep um, get involved in... It, almost a Scientology religion um, throughout this. Uh, there is a character that's brought in who clearly is going to be important to season three. Uh, just, uh, as per one of the very last things, you reveal that this person has superpowers, which we didn't expect. This is one of the best shows on TV. I think you wouldn't like this, but you. I think if you watched it, you would at least respect you know, it respect it yeah yeah i was saying would i admire it but not particularly enjoy it yeah i mean mm. it's fun yeah. it's fun all the way through and the biggest thing that's happened this year the most noteworthy thing is that amazon seemed to have pivoted from dumping all their episodes at once such as netflix does to they released the first three episodes one week and then released one a week after that and a certain part of the internet, mm-hmm. the part that we roll our eyes at all the time, mm. um, circled their wagons against them due okay. to this. There was a lot of downvoting on Amazon down Ugh. to this. It's down to like two and a half stars really? out of five. Yeah. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. Uh, so Why? the boys released a video of Homeland. The, at season one, there was a point where, because they play into having to market themselves on social media, the the seven and so the season there's a scene where Homeland is reading negative tweets about himself. Mm-hmm. And so on a viral video on Twitter, they superimposed some of the actual comments people wrote against that and just had Homelander like just looking upset and like angry about them. So yeah, it looks like Amazon are gonna carry on doing this because oh, their other big thing, the expanse, yeah. Is also going for the same release schedule over Christmas. Do what they want. 
It's their show. It works for me. Yeah. Um, I know people who've complained about it because they want to binge it, but it feels like an event when it comes out yeah. each week this way, and yeah. I much prefer it because it seems you get that you get that buzz mm-hmm. certainly afterwards on social media. People are talking about certainly shows big as this where big big set piece and events happen. Yeah, so. I love the boys, and I'm really looking forward to season three. Good. They're doing a spin-off series, uh, which is the boys, the college years. Right. Well, it's not, but it's, yeah. It's about the superhero college. This sounds appalling. Yeah. They're standing at the edge of tomorrow, and it's all up to them how far they go. Um, So expect me to review that at some point. Because I'm all in, although... A college version of this does not sound something I'm interested in. No. We've seen some films. We have. We've seen a lot of films. And normally I put Alien Ant Farm right at the end, but it's going to come slap bang in the middle. (laughs) Here it comes. So we've got... One film that you've been to see at the actual cinema. Yes. We've got one film that I've seen sat on the sofa. Yeah. And you've got one film that you've seen sat on the sofa. Yes. At different times. Yes. <laughs> which one do you first? Shall I do St Maud first? Yeah. Do them in the order which we, yeah. you've just presented them. Yeah. So St Maud is a small British film directed by Rose Glass, who I think it's a, it might be a feature debut I think she's done some shorts before now, but certainly this is her big breakthrough. It stars uh, Morford Clark as the titular Maud, uh, who's been in. She was in Crawl, the crocodile based film. I've seen that. Did you watch? I thought you might have yeah, watched that. I've seen that. Yeah. There's she, only a few people in it. So. She was in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Right, and I've seen that as well on a plane. She was in. Oh, she's in the upcoming Dracula TV show. And she's in the second series of His Dark Materials, which is something I won't be watching. No. So this is very much a a horror drama. Okay. Morford Clark plays a loner care worker who is... Something has happened in her background that we're not entirely sure of. She used to work in a hospital and it's indicated that something's gone wrong in her life. She has gone into private care uh, of Jennifer Ely's character, um, Amanda, who's a previously quite famous dancer and choreographer. But she's also found she's also found God and has become quite pious about it. And that was that was more than I knew walking into this. This is a slow burning, slow moving um, horror film. There is a lot of body horror in this. There is a lot of psychological horror in this. It's only it's only, it's only eighty four minutes long, so although it's slow moving, it gets to the point quickly. I walked out of this going bloody hell. <laughs> you came home doing that as well. Yeah, everything happens in this. I still can't really explain what happened, other than it builds up to one hell of an ending. Yeah. When you came home, yes, you, you couldn't wait to, for the podcast. You told me everything. You were like, "Can I? Can I? Talk? Are you ever going to see this?" You said to me, and I was like, "No." And you said, "Can I tell you about it?" And you just gave me the whole of the plot. And then at the end, I was expecting you to go one and a half stars, two stars, and you went, "This is one of the best films I've ever seen." This, you, know, you were really raving about it. But given what you said about the plot and what happened and the way that you presented it. 
there was a complete disconnect from what you were telling me and the fact that you thought that it was a brilliant film. It's totally down to the mood of the film. This is so sinister. It doesn't really rely on jump scares or anything like that. It just relies on the setting of this seaside resort which she lives in. She is angry at the world. Clearly life is leaving her behind and she disapproves of the way that the world is going. She very much tries to rescue Jennifer Ely's character, I think it's safe to say, without giving too much away. Okay. What I would say is, we've spoke at length about how films have left the cinema aren't going anywhere, um, are going straight to st- straight to streaming, things like that. There is obviously going to be winners during this, and I think this is a film. I would not have seen this if the film was if the cinema was full of the blockbusters that were due to be out at this time. This would not have had all the screens. It, I could see it maybe would have had one screen in Halloween week in the mm-hmm. Odeon, which I go to. This had three screenings a day. Um, it was number two in the box office. And this is a film that will really benefit from the situation that we're in. It can't be an expensive film to make because there's only about four people in the entire mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a long film. It looks, it looks, it doesn't look any unprofessional or anything like that, but it's certainly not something that's going to take up a lot of budget. So yeah, this is a stunning piece of work and I will be looking out for other films <laughs> from the director mm-hmm. because yeah, I left the film. I, I've not reacted to this way to a film in a long, long time. Um, so I assume at some point it's going to be on. It'll be on some streaming service. I'm sure it will be pretty swiftly. Ten, actually, yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, if you want a film that's really quite odd, I couldn't recommend it to anyone. Yeah. Although <laughs> I, I mean. personally love it. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the spot where it's at. And it might be that if you are watching it in your house with like a glass of wine mm-hmm. and like your phone to look at, um, and a text message comes through, it might totally take you out of that. But for me. This was the right film at the right time. And you had very few people in that you were in a late night screening and yeah. you had very few people in the cinema as well. So it might have really, really There were helped. five people of them, me, mm-hmm. um, two of which walked out. Yes, yeah. I think there were a bunch of, were there two teenage boys? Two teenage yeah, kids who, just didn't, yeah. yeah. This isn't a film for teenage boys. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> what, what rating is it? it? I imagine it's an 18, let okay. me double check. Or maybe it's not, maybe it's not. No, it's a 15. Okay. Um, but it wouldn't be what they were particularly anticipating, a sort of art house, psych- psychological thriller. It's not Friday the 13th <laughs> or, no. uh, yeah. It's no tremors. No, no, it's not, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't recommend this to anyone, but I love this. Okay. This will, this will be in my films of the year. Okay, shall I do mine? Is yeah. that what we had on next? I yes, can't remember the that order that I actually said. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about Judy, which is new-ish on Sky <laughs> Movies on the premiere. I think it's been on for a couple of weeks, hasn't it? Yes. But this came out in the UK in October 2019. I missed it for obvious reasons. Anyone who's listened to the podcast knows that I didn't go to the cinema for quite a long time due to personal circumstances. So I, I missed it, and it would have been a film that I would have just absolutely been bouncing to see. This is the... I mean, I say it's called Judy, isn't it? We're going to know what it's about, but it's a, a film about the... the a particular point in the life of Judy Garland. But the the thing that really draws me to it, it's not because it's a biopic, which I love, it's not because of the music, but it's because I went to see the production, the theatre production, that this film is based on back in the West End. And that was in the sort of 20, uh, 2010s. 
just Learned before we them. got together, wasn't yeah. it? You were going down to London quite a bit to West End. Yeah, going to West End, going to see some shows and just having having a bit of a bit of a jolly down down in London. So I saw that theatre production. I mean, I saw a lot of theatre productions at that time. Some some good, some some not so good. I remember being in the. It was in the same the same theatre. It was right next to Trafalgar Square. And it was in the same theatre that I saw Lenny Henry playing Othello when he came up the stairs and I always used to get the seat on the end of a row. Because like one person, you know, the end row, and you could yeah. often, often get them cheap as well. And he touched my leg, like Lenny Henry's leg. He had this big boot on, like one of those big like knee, knee-high boots because he was playing like a, a commander. And his leg touched my leg. I always remember that. And at the same time... <laughs> Film rights are available to anyone... Uh... <laughs> At the same time, I also went to see this production called End of the Rainbow, which I didn't know very much about, other than I knew it was getting rave reviews, and it was a it was meant to be that you sat in the theatre, and Judy Garland, in inverted commas, would come on and perform to you as she did in her London shows. So in in the late nineteen sixties, Judy Garland came to London. She was financially crippled. Um, lots of bad decisions made on her behalf five marriages i think maybe it was four at that time she was about to have a fifth i think poor financial decisions not necessarily her fault so she came to london to make money and she played at talk of the town which was a big sort of nightclub and of course that would be a big show for people in london go and see judy garland see her you know chugging out the trolley song a bit of over the rain you know yeah it's almost vegas-esque yeah very much so yeah people Um, need a bit of cash and they go and do a few nights at a casino yeah and it's always late night as well these late night shows where people have supper and it's dark and they've got the little lamps on the table i mean imagining like the clubs from like goodfellas Yes, Even though it's London, exactly that, and yeah. may, but maybe with a few more tears, you know, sort of going up to, up the side where it's a bit more theatre like, if you know what I mean. Like there's you know, people above. And... This, this won't mean anything to people listening, mm. but Baz. Oh yes, we went to see uh, the a Baz Luhrmann show. So all of the Baz Luhrmanns, Moulin Rouge, Roman Juliet, uh, strip ballroom in Las Vegas. Yeah, and we were sat round the. Um, the stage. I don't think it was a necessarily successful show because when we walked in, they ushered us to the very, very front to a stage, to yeah. a table on, on the, the stage. stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, very much like that. You feel part of part of the show, and that's very much what what these sort of productions were were like. So it's it's not a biopic in the traditional manner. It is not the life of Judy Garland. We are looking at a very small period of time in her life when she is quite frankly, down on her look, financially, mentally. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Judy Garland, towards the end of her life, and indeed throughout all of her life, suffered from disordered eating, addiction issues, both alcohol and to uh, pills mainly. And I remember reading someone who looked after her towards the end of her life that said that actually a lot was made out of the alcoholism, but really for her it was the pills. The uppers that were given to her to make her thinner as a child to stop Mm. her eating and then the downers to try and help her to sleep can i ask a question you can you've got your hand up that's going to be paint me quite foolishly go on then things i know about julie garland yep wizard of oz yep liza minnelli yeah end yeah well this might be a film for you then to be honest with you 
this is not your typical biopic. And I went into this thinking, I don't even want to watch it. I don't want to watch it because I remember the theatre production being so wonderful and so moving. And the lady who played um, Judy Garland, who I think her name was Tracy Bennett, there were Olivia Awards chucked her way yeah. for Best Actress and then Best Production. And there was a whole lot going around this show, which is the reason why I went, went to see it. And it was so powerful. I remember thinking this is such a powerful depiction of particularly alcoholism in that production. And it was so true to life of what, how people react when they have addiction issues. And I have personal experience of knowing someone who had, had addiction issues. So I was able to look at it and think, you know, is, is this true to life? And it, it really was in that theatre production. So then I thought, you know, is this going to be just another Oscar nod? You know, Zellweger's on board. She's done Chicago before. She She's a brilliant actress, but, you know, is she really going to be able to embody Judy Garland? And what are they going to do with this, with this story? You know, is it just going to be biopic by numbers and it's not i'm so so pleased this is one of the most powerful biopics i've seen because it isn't really a biopic you're just looking at this period of time in her life with a couple of flashbacks to give you some context for people like you who don't really know what went on within mgm and how she was treated um her relationship with mickey rooney for example young young mickey rooney because i only really know mickey rooney as the guy from pete's dragon (laughs) (laughs) old mickey rooney who as she says in the film looks a bit like a barrel now and of course when he was younger he was you know all singing all dancing and on the stage with her it, it's so wonderful. The performances are so wonderful. And Zellweger, I I want, I was ready to hate it. I was ready to hate her performance because I just thought it's Oscar bait. She is just heartbreaking. Her, her body, it's a such a physical performance. Garland at the end of her life was almost sort of hunched over. She was so thin, so, so thin. She didn't eat. And she was this this almost like a hump on her back because of her shoulders and the um the way that her bones would stick out but also the movement in her face and the movement of her hands and everything so it it actually it really reminds me of 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 someone that I once knew just really particular and so true to life of how addiction makes you behave and I, I just thought this was just a wonderful, wonderful film. I have my reservations about <laughs> it. And so I've got three movie kryptonites that instantly put me against the film. Mm-hmm. One is it's set at a time before electricity. Yes. Two is it's over, say it, two and a half hours long. And three is René Zellweger. <laughs> it used to be René Zellweger slash Nicole Kidman, but Nicole Kidman's, like redeemed herself through Big Little Lies. Oh, good for her. But, yeah, I mean, it's for that reason that if I ever see Cold Mountain, which is the only film that ticks all three boxes, and also has Nicole Kidman in as well, I reckon it might be the best film I've ever seen because, like, it can't... (laughs) So much negativity from me can't possibly make it that bad. Honey, I did not want to like this film. Mm. I put it on thinking I'll watch ten minutes of it and I'll switch it off because I'll be annoyed. I'll be annoyed it's not the show that I saw in London. I'll be annoyed because it's, it's... 
oh, what shall we do to win an Oscar? Oh, well, here's Renee Zellweger pretending to be Judy Garland. But there's, there's something more in this. The way it's directed, the, the cinematography, the sets, because this is filmed in London, it's obviously based in London. It really captures the 60s. There are some really poignant pieces of social commentary, and I don't want to go into it too much, but okay. pieces of social commentary about people who loved Judy Garland and got a lot from Judy and who were, were not treated well, just as Judy was not treated well. So you've got lots of social commentary about the people who found an allyship in Judy Garland, mm. but also what we do with our stars that's, that's still going on now. What do we do with our child stars? But what do we do with people who, whose fame has waxed and waned? And how, can, how are they still exploited, even when they're older, even when you think they've got the world at their feet, when they've got their children and their marriages? How can people still be exploiting them sticking them on the stage, making them go on. I'll tell you what the other thing as well is, there's a brilliant performance, very understated, small performance, she's not in it very much, by Jessie Buckley, yeah. who is the London um, equivalent of a sort of, her helper, her, when she's on stage, she's got to make sure she gets on stage. Like, which, like, like a PA, yes, yeah. that's the word I'm looking for. So she's there for only a short period in her life and you can see that she really cares about her. Now, the real-life person who Jessie Buckley plays has been out and talking about Judy Garland and about how a number of these things are, you know, it's not... There are some contrivances in it, I have to say. There are some things where I kind of rolled my eyes and went, mm, did that really happen? But a lot of what what's depicted here did actually happen and she talks about the issues that she had you know the impossibility of judy getting judy garland on the stage but also the fantasticness of judy garland on the stage anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it there because you're look you're looking at me but i'm I, really glad you enjoyed it yeah that. i didn't well i think the reason i'm sort of got a bit of verbal diarrhea with it is because i didn't want to like it i didn't think i would like it i thought i'd switch off it has stayed with me maybe for personal reasons i have to put that in there because this, the depiction of people with addiction issues and the disease of addiction, you don't get to see that played out truthfully yeah. and, or, or authentically a lot of the time, mm. I feel. Um, and, it's, and it's played for certain things as well. It's yeah. played to make a point. This is a very truthful depiction of someone who is absolutely plagued by those issues. But why, you know, looking at why, and also still able to function, not sitting on the floor, not able to function. So there's that real authenticity of someone living their life through these issues. And that's, I'm going to draw, I'm going to draw, I'm going to draw it to a close now before I just rant about this film. So yes, I massively, massively, I know you don't recommend St. Maud. I hugely recommend Judy. Um, I'm actually going to recommend it to your your mum. Okay. I'll do it now. Linda, right. I recommend Judy. I think it's a brilliant film. I'm probably never going to watch it. I know. But I, it, I'm saddened that you're not. I would watch it again. I mean, I'm, if we're going to list all the things that I'm saddened, you <laughs> refuse to watch with me. Like Breaking Bad, like uh, looking to carry on from there, Better Call Saul. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Should, should we move on to a film that I wanted to watch with you, yes. uh, but you actually went and watched 
by yourself this, this afternoon, afternoon while I'd lie down. I wasn't by myself. I was looking oh, after that's, Blake. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Never forget. Me and Blake <laughs> watched the trial of the Chicago 7, which um, was about to be one of the big um, tentpole like, true life films this year. Um, but COVID got in the way, and so Netflix have bought this. It, I think it's had a small run in cinemas um, a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, it, it's out on Netflix, so anyone with a Netflix account can watch this. Um, so I, I don't know how much you know about this. Very little. The The most I know is people were actually recommending it. One of my friends on Facebook was recommending it last night, and, you know, mm. like... Mates of mine are saying, "Oh, have you seen this this film?" Like just generally out to to their friends, and it seems to have got a real word of mouth. Yeah. So this is the trial of the seven people that were accused for various different reasons of inciting a riot in Chicago in 1968 at the Democratic National Convention when they tried to organise a peaceful protest to the Vietnamese War. Right, okay. So, and this is very much a, it is a courtroom drama. So this all takes place, aside from maybe the first 10 minutes, this is, all takes place in the courtroom. The first thing I want to talk about is the cast, because the cast are amazing. So as part of the seven, there is Eddie Redmayne, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, Jeremy Strong, who you'll know as Kendall. Um, yeah. Kendall. Kendall. Uh, what's oh, it? Succession. Oh, yes, Kendall Roy. <laughs> God. God. Uh, John Carroll Lynch. Uh-huh. And making up the trial, so the eighth um, accused is Yahya Abdul Mateen. <gasps> yes. Yes, who I know from Watchmen. Yes. He's amazing. I love him. Yeah. Um, As part of the prosecution team is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. As part of the defence team, there's Mark Rylance. Um, The judge is Frank Langella. And then that's not to add the countless other sort of small parts and people you don't know and then people you do know who appears just for five minutes popping up here and there. Is um, it wrong that I just want to shout Skeletor when, yeah. you, when you mention Frank Langella? It is, isn't it? Move on. Is this because we watched it like yeah. the end of it very recently? We watched Master of the Universe the other day. Yeah. 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 Move on. <laughs> Quick. Is, so do you know who wrote and directed this? No, nope, I haven't got a clue. If I tell you it's Aaron Sorkin. Oh, West Wing. There you go. That's there yeah. you are. So it's snappy scripts. Yeah. Obviously, he wrote A Few Good Men, another noted. Did he do The Social Network? Yeah, he wrote yeah. The Social Network. He wrote Steve Jobs. Mm. Um, he wrote, yeah, like you say, The West was Wing. This, this, is meant, this truly would have meant to, was supposed to be in the cinema. Oh, this, this was yeah. this was meant to be in cinemas. This okay. was meant to be on the temple. Okay. True to life dramas. Mm. It's his second directorial film. He previously directed Molly's Game a couple of years ago. Oh, we haven't seen that. No, no. It's like it was um, on, yeah. Yeah, it was on telly a few weeks ago and yeah. we've got it recorded. So, okay. yeah. Um, I love Aaron Sorkin. Mm. Um, I am all about these punchy, scripted dramas. And this is no exception. As you can probably imagine... It is. It flies by because you just enjoy seeing these people interact with each other. It's not without its faults. Oh, okay. Aaron Sorkin is a great writer. I don't think that he is able to control his actors because there are two performances, <laughs> and I'm, I need to review it. I know you're going to watch it. <laughs> the performances of Sasha Baron Cohen uh. and Jeremy Strong are in a completely different film. 
Are they a bit much, or is that what you're saying? Because those are two very strong actors. Well, Sasha Baron Cohen plays Sasha Baron Cohen in everything. I don't agree with that. I massively don't agree with that. He's... No, I... He's... No. I can't can't think of anything articulate to say right now, but I think he... You know it's him, yes. I know... I think I kind of know what you're saying is, you know it's him. But if you think about what he's done over over the course of his career, he's he plays these very different characters. Let me straight Sasha Baron Cohen performance. I know, you knew that you were would that would fit it. into, say, a courtroom drama like this. Oh, I knew yeah, okay. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm thinking of all the big characterful you know, I'm thinking of the Sweeney Todds, I'm thinking of Liam is. Yeah. 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 Alright. Yeah. So so are you saying that he's playing the big bold character then? Or are you saying He's stripped it back. No, no, no. He is playing Sasha Baron Cohen in Les Mis. He is play- As someone who is accused of these quite federal crimes, mm. I don't believe that people would act in the way that he is. It's very broad. Right, so okay. Now I understand. Okay. Um, and Jeremy Strong goes along with this. Right. Um, almost like Cheech from Cheech and Chong. Um, I don't know that. Okay, right. Okay. Well, p- people will. Okay. And it is out of place in a different film. Having seen the film, I now understand why those decisions may have been made, but it didn't work for me. Right, okay. And the other thing is... Were they not just playing the people? Were they not just... You know, because everyone is very... You know, people are different. Okay, well, no, no. If this I... is a real-life thing, have they not just looked at the way that those people behaved and 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 acted in that manner? I don't believe that these are real people. right. Okay. Acting in this yeah. way, okay. in yeah, you know, I might be wrong, mm-hmm. but it, it, it stood it out like fit. a sore right. thumb okay. for me in okay. this film. Okay. The other thing is, so as with as you would expect, we see the credits, ro- the, we see the fade out at the end, and I'm obviously not going to go into what happens, but then you get the the text that comes on screen to explain everything that's happened. And, yeah. And I was like, I kind of wanted to watch that film more than the film that I've just seen for two hours. It seems fun. It seems that they've concentrated on a part of it, which is very interesting and it's a great story. But I think there is more to it than this. And I think you could cut half an hour out of this and do a proper conclusion around this. Because, yeah, it's they have finished this film at a Aaron Sorkin-esque point. And I think there was more to say. Okay. It's extremely prescient for our times. This was filmed last year, and I cannot believe how relevant it is to going on this year when we're talking about protests and things that have happened. You you can write your own, you know, you yeah. can d- draw the lines yeah, yourself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is such a well, this is such a good film, such a nice film to watch. N- nice film is nice probably film. the wrong word. Yeah, nice yeah. Film. yeah. But do you feel that it was it didn't take a much I was going to say it didn't take up much brain space, which obviously a Sorkin film will do, but it, it wasn't a difficult watch. It's an easy watch mm. because even, I think with Aaron Sorkin and The West Wing is the best example of this, even when you don't really understand the process around what's happening, you're just happy to watch characters interact. I mean, like there's no, no better example than like Rob Lerm, um on The West Wing. Yeah. Just like one of the coolest men ever. Just walking um, down a corridor. Walking down a corridor, just... Talking. Snappy yeah. dialogue, everything. Really watch this. I'm really interested by your thoughts. I'm going to. And see if you think the same from me. Will do. I'll be on the lookout 
for these two massively broad performances by two actors I really like. Yeah, yeah, I like them as well. Yeah. They needed to be rained down. Okay, fair enough. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's all I've got. Yeah, we'll be back next week. Yeah, hopefully a few more shows. We've got, um, there's that new Nicole, you know, your favourite woman, Nicole Kidman show coming out soon with Hugh Grant called The Undoing. I think that's going to be on Sky soon. It's from the people behind Big Little Lies, so you might like it. I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah. I'll watch that. Yeah. Just for something new, because we're really struggling at I've the I've given up on a few things recently. I know. I? I know you have. You've given up on Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Um, oh, you, you, that finishes this week. Yes, so. I know. I've watched uh, the penultimate episode, and I'll watch the final, and then I'll report back maybe next week. I've got a lot to say about that. I know you have. I don't really understand why, why I dislike it so much. Mm, I, think I, I think I know what the problem is, but yeah. Because mm. it's the same problem for me without yeah. going into it now. But it's the same problem for me. I still think it's marvellous in a number of ways. There's just, there is a massive problem with it, that's all. Okay. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about it next time. Next time around. But you're out on that, aren't you? You've just yeah, given, I've just you've just given up. About it, yeah. Um but yeah, we're, we're struggling a little bit for stuff on telly. So guys, get on our socials mm. and let us know what we've missed this year. So yeah. things from this summer that we haven't we haven't reported on and that we maybe should be catching up on. Uh, because I think things are going to get worse before it gets better Absolutely. in the TV stage. There's no line of duty coming out soon, is there? No. So just let us know what we missed out on. And um, we might even watch something and, uh, and report an honorary report back from us. That would be great. Thanks, everyone. That would be. I'd be really excited about that because there's bound to be stuff that we've just missing. Yeah, I think so. I think one thing that, like, is it Gangs of London? Yeah, we've had we t- that recommended we t- a couple of times. We took we? a look. We took a look at the pilot episode, and it was an hour and a half. And we're like, Pfft. yeah, that was but, exactly what yeah, happened. Yeah. I was thinking, why didn't we watch it? But yeah, that's that's us. Get on it and tell us what we should be watching, including if it's Gans of London. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll see you later. See you later. Bye. Bye. It won't take long We're gonna put you in the trance with our funky song Cause you gotta be Before you go, just a reminder that you can subscribe to the Honeymoon Period Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can join in the conversation on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for The Honeymoon Pod. Finally, if you like this episode and you think someone else would too, please share it. See you next time. Everybody's always talking about who's on top. Don't cross our path because you're going to get stopped. We ain't going to give anybody any slack.